We study God's Word together. We worship together. We fellowship together. We serve together. And so will you come? Will you come do this with us? Will you come and help the First Baptist Church of San Antonio be better together? Let us turn our attention now to the Word of God. This week, we have been studying together 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And though it is only a few verses, it is a powerful text. It is perfect for us this morning. So let us stand together, and we're going to read aloud together 2 Timothy chapter 3, 14 through 17. This then is the text for today. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. May God bless the reading of His Word. There is something specifically American about the buffet line. At the buffet line, you pay one fee and you walk through a smorgasbord and you pile up plate after plate of slop (laughs) until you have to unbutton your pants. Or am I the only one in the room who had a relative who would unbutton his pants to go back and get more at the buffet line? You know, as bad as that is, as bad as the gluttony is when we come to the buffet line. I would do something just as terrible, if not more so, at the buffet. When I would go to the buffet, I would walk past every green thing they had (laughs) and make sure I filled my plate full of anything fried and everything covered in cheese. No one cares what you put on a plate at a buffet. You just get to pick and choose whatever you want. Whatever tastes good, you pile it on there, you mix it together, and you have your lunch. That's a terrible way to eat, but it tastes good. You know, I I do love those Brazilian steakhouses where they have the unlimited choice cuts of meat. They just come by your table, they drop them off there. I wouldn't eat lunch before going to one of those places just so it'd have room. And I certainly was not going to the salad bar at any of those places. That's where they get you, right? They, they want to fill you up on the green things in the bread. This is a terrible way to eat. But it speaks specifically to who we are as a country. We have the highest level of decadence spread out in front of us. This is the, the greatest of things ever available to mankind, all laid out in front of us, so that we can turn our nose up at a feast fit for a king, because we expect to be served exactly what we want when we want to be served. This is who we've become. 
serve me what I want and what I want and I what I want. And I'm going to turn away all of those things that I don't. We've been given this option so many times in our lives. This is what we think we are due. We think we are due the buffet line in every aspect of life, including the scriptures that we hold so dear. We often treat the pages of this book like a smorgasbord set in front of us. And we walk up to it like we're the Lord of the manor. We, we assume a, a role that isn't ours. We, we assume a role of a king. And we see the scriptures set in front of us. And we take all of the things that we want, all of those things that tickle our ears, all of those things that are similar to what we already believe. We take them and we hold on to them. And we stuff our faces like there's no tomorrow. And the rest of it, we throw it out like it's unfit for our sophisticated palates when we've been grazing on buffet lines. See, when we assume this role as an arbiter of truth, we turn the Scriptures into something that they were never intended to be. This is not meant to be a buffet so that you might pick and choose what you want out of the pages of these holy writings. You can't pick and choose what you want and expect to be filled. That's not how this works. There's a famous tale about Thomas Jefferson, I'm sure you've probably heard, where he did what most people dream of. Jefferson had the gall to open to the Gospels, then take out a razor and begin to cut out all of the words that he didn't approve of. He cut out all of the things that made him feel uncomfortable. The miracles of Jesus said it didn't make him feel right, so he cut them out. He got to the resurrection of Jesus. He didn't like the way it made him feel, so he cut it out with a razor. Same thing when he got to the ascension of Jesus. He went ahead and cut that out too because he didn't like the way it made him feel so that he was left with an ancient moral code that he can handle. This book is not meant to be some moral code that you can handle. It is so much more than that. It goes much deeper than what you can handle. You can't handle it. And it was never meant for you to. See, when you cut out parts of Scripture that you're uncomfortable with, you no longer have sacred writings, as the Apostle Paul calls them. You're left with powerless phrases and idle speculation. You're left with your own imagination. You give up heaven so that you might gain your own buffet line. You give up the power and the authority of God so that you can live in your own comfortability. You give up that which God has for you so that you can stay in your recliner and never change one iota. But that's what most people want from this book. Most people come to the Holy Scriptures so that they might find validation for who they are. They want to come to the Scriptures and they want affirmation for what they already believe. They want Scripture to set in stone that which they want. And on some level, you can find that because you always find what you're looking for. When you come to the text with a razor seeking to justify your current position, you can twist these words into a giant theoretical pretzel that looks something like you want it to, something like you want to believe, but it is no longer the holy work of God. Then it just becomes another pretzel on the buffet line.
You see, we should never think about the Scriptures like a, a Vegas buffet spread for you to come and grab whatever you want so that you can post it on social media, so that you might be seen and you might get verified. This, this book is, is about something more than that. It's something greater than that. You know, it is interesting. When the waiter takes away your fourth plate at the buffet line, you start to question your life decisions. <laughs> and soon, your body will remind you why that last plate of ribs smothered in shrimp was a bad idea. You see, when you treat the Word of God like a buffet, you're going to be left powerless. You're going to be left as a glutton, bloated with a fat heart, unable to move forward. See, your fat heart and clogged mind will inevitably take your life. You think you're feeding yourself, but all you've done is gorged yourself on your own intentions. See, we need to think of the, the Word of God differently, like a good and colorful home-cooked meal where you have everything you need there on your plate. You eat it all including the green stuff. You know, my previous church in, in Waco, Chalk Bluff Baptist Church where I served, there was a sweet lady there named Betty Lancaster. Betty and I had lunch quite often. And Betty would tell me at lunch, Pastor Chris, you should have seven different colors on your plate and seven different shades of brown don't count. And she was absolutely right. When, when you have this balanced, home-cooked meal, all is well and healthy. This is how you need to think about the Scriptures. In fact, turn with me, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's look at where we are this week. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 16, let's take the first word. What is the first word of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16? The first word is all. And we're going to stop there for a minute. All of it. This is what you need. You need all of it. This, this is not a time to cherry pick. You need every page and every word. The life of Christ, the work of Moses, the, the, the passion of the Christ, the, the, the work of the early church, the apostles, the missionaries, John, the revelator. We, we need every page of it. You don't get to take two bites and leave the table. It takes every word to lead us into the wisdom that is of the salvation of Jesus Christ. See, we don't get to leave the table whenever we want because all of it is necessary. If you take away the miracles from Jesus, you have nothing. It's in the resurrection and the ascension that we know the power of God. It's what brings life to the rest of it. This is what shows us the power of the Old Testament being transformed in Christ in the new and the church running forward with it after the ascension of the Christ. All of it is good for all of us. And we need it. And we need it together. You see, this is the spinach that makes us strong. It, it transforms us as a body into capable servants in the kingdom of God, but it takes all of it. We don't get to just take what we want and run. We, we take all of it and we savor every page, every word. 
You know, the, these words here, they are powerful. Every bit of it, from the old to the new. And we see this, this power on full display when Jesus stood face to face with Satan. When Jesus was standing face to face with Satan at the temptation, what did Jesus say? Where, where, did, where did Jesus take the evil one? See, when Jesus began his ministry and his body was weakened from a 40-day fast, Jesus stood with the personified evil one. What did he tell him? Je Jesus didn't rely on his bodily strength. Jesus was not standing in the flesh and trusting in his flesh to fight back against Satan himself. What did Jesus say? Three times Jesus looked at him and said, it is written. And he quoted the scriptures. When Satan came to tempt Jesus once and twice and a third time, Jesus stood in front of him and said, It is written. And Jesus took Satan from the top of the mountain back to Deuteronomy. And he says, This is the word of God. This is what has stood true from the beginning of time until now. And it will stand as truth until the end. And don't you forget it. I spoke these in the beginning and I will speak them again to you. This is the power of God. Deuteronomy was the antidote to Satan's temptations, and it so stands true today. Now, when you continue reading in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all Scripture, the whole of it, inspired by God, that's a word there, it means exhaled, that it is if God exhaled these words onto the pages themselves, this is the breath of God. And he continues on, all of it is profitable for teaching, Reproof, correction, training up in righteousness. Now, one of the things that we have to understand today, the words of these pages are the work of a king. These words are royal edict writ for our obedience. This is not a casual read for the beach. This work is the power of the Spirit, the authoritative word of the creator of the universe who put every phrase and every chapter in its place, every book, so that you might be saved in the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You see, as we come to these words and to the, the teaching, the reproof, the correction, the training, we're not going to find that with a casual read on the beach like we're reading a novel or something. See, you have to take with you and understand that this book, this book knows you better than you know yourself. See, we often come with presuppositions. We come with, with previously held beliefs. We, we, we come with baggage that we aren't even yet aware of. And the Spirit knows it. The Word knows it. And You'll get to moments where you're reading and you, you think, well, that can't be right. That doesn't, doesn't feel right. When you come to these pages, people for 3,000 years handed down these stories because this is truth that transcends time. This is truth that knows you intimately and will be your way forward. Always, every day. It's just as Psalm 40 knew Jesus Christ. And just as Jesus Christ knew Psalm 40, Psalm 40 knows you, knows you intimately. 
Now, as we're working down through this, verse 16, the teaching, reproof, correction, training, you'll notice that the two of these are additive. Two of these bring things into your life, bring truth into your life. The other two subtract. They, they take things away from your life. When you, when you come to the Gospels of Jesus Christ, the words of our Lord are going to rip away parts of your life that have festered for too long. This is some of what we find uncomfortable in the Scriptures. As we read and Jesus Christ works on us and begins to rip those sinful ways out of us, we fight back and our flesh doesn't want it. But that, that's a work of the Word. And, and in that way, you, you can't ignore that work of the Word. When you turn to the, to the Gospel of John, Jesus is going to speak into your heart and correct you. Jesus is going to demand that you remove sinful obsessions out of your life. That, that's a work of this Word. There is going to have to be subtraction in your life as you read this very work. Some of us don't want to read it because we don't want to deal with it. There are things we suspect God's going to rip out as we read, and we don't want to deal with that. Reproof in this context means to expose. That when, when you come to these words, as you're reading through Romans, it is as if God is surgically opening you up to reveal your innermost thoughts and to take your heart out of your chest and set it on the table, exposing the black tar that has coated it to all of your preferential excesses that have surrounded your heart and suffocated it. Nobody wants to have open heart surgery. But when you come to the Word of God, it opens you up in a way that you don't know otherwise. It's what happens when you come to the Word of God in His Holy Spirit. He exposes you. You know, some people flip through these pages trying to avoid the operating room. They're, they're hoping they can find a, a shortcut to their health. But it isn't going to happen. This is an operation by the hand of God, and He will subtract things daily. Cut them out, everything that needs to come out. If you come to the Scriptures and you're not convicted, if you come to the Scriptures and you're not changed, if you come to the Scriptures and you aren't challenged, you aren't reading them right, the, the Spirit isn't in it. The Spirit of God is going to use this book to change you so that your flesh is annihilated and the Spirit animates you. When you take what you want, when you come to this like a buffet line and take what you want out of it, there's no transformation. You, you only become stagnant. You, you aren't transformed into the man of God that He's called you to be. You're not transformed into the woman of God that He's called you to be. So God's going to give you what you need. He's going to give you the words that will create in you a pure heart. When you come to these pages and you open them, He's working on you like a potter handling a lump of clay. These words are for you this morning. These words are for me this morning. Sometimes we come to these words and we expect them to be for somebody else. Let us not fall into that temptation today. These words are not for somebody else. They are for you. God's given you these words. 
so that you might grow out of your childish habits and grow into a spiritual adult, spiritual maturity that leads to life and life abundantly. Now, one of the incredible things that happens as God removes the excesses, then well, God comes in and he fills you up. It's the additive side of this. And, and he will strengthen you. He'll make you stronger than you've ever been before. You, you get to the teaching and the training. It's just the whole of it matters. All of the pages in here are for your teaching and for your training. God's going to teach you his ways and his story. He, he's going to teach you of his people and his church. He's going to show you his, his, who his son is. And, and we get to the word training here. The word, the word training in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 is, is something akin to this. God is going to take you. And as you come to this book, he's going to say, let's go back to kindergarten. We're, we're going to start your work again from the beginning, and we're going to set the foundational building blocks of life. And you'll learn those very basic things, and we'll build you up from a kindergartner into a graduate. Now, some of us think we'd rather start in grad school, where we can have an opinion and debate the class. God's telling us here, you're not, you're not ready for grad school. There's remedial work that needs to be done. We're going to go back to kindergarten and find the ways of God like a child being, I mean, holy and pure, reborn again, and find an excitement in the pages of this book that he has left for us. And he's going to add to you things beyond your imagination. He'll show you things in the Scripture you never expected to find. So this is a powerful word and work for us. When we come to it, unthinkable things happen. When we open the pages of Scripture, God begins subtracting things. There's going to be reproof. There's going to be correction. And you aren't going to like it. Correction is hard to take for all of us. The, the flesh doesn't like it. The, the flesh runs away from correction. But Jesus is going to set it just so, so that we're corrected as we need to be corrected. And at the same time, God is going to add anew, teaching you and training you in the way of Jesus Christ. Those old and sinful ways are replaced by the holy work of God. And in God's grace and in all of God's holy wisdom, he gives us the privilege of doing this together. You see, there's a way and a time where this work is personal, and it's between us and our Lord. But it never ends there, and it usually doesn't begin there. What we recognize is that, that we are in this together. As, as we are being corrected, as we are being reproved, as we are going back to kindergarten and we are studying those foundational things of the Scripture, God fully intends for us to do that together, for this to be on full display with one another. So this is a faith and a life and a Scripture that we are living out together. This was not meant to be done on your own. 
This was meant to be done with your family. This was meant to be done with your church family, where we can wrap our arms around one another and walk together as the Lord speaks into our lives through these scriptures. And in an obedience unto Jesus Christ, we come to the altar. We fall before the scriptures. We look up to Christ and we say, correct me, mold me, add to me, subtract from me, make me the man of God you've called me to be. Make us the, the women of God you've called us to be. Build us up into a church who loves your scriptures and are strong because we've taken them well and we stand together in it. You know, it's one of the, the beauties of our response time. That as we come to this time, many come to the altar for a time of confession. And though we don't know those prayers, we are in it together. And we are confessing together. And we stand with one another. Because it's hard to receive that correction. And so we stand together in that. At the same time, at the same time we, we've, we come to the altar to offer prayers of thanksgiving. And, and we stand together in that same way. And we rejoice together in that same way. Scripture reminds us, when one of us is weeping, we weep together. And there are times that weeping is because of conviction of sin. And when you're weeping because of conviction of sin, we stand together in that. Because that is a holy moment. In the same way, when, you, when you're rejoicing because God has moved and added something holy into your heart, we rejoice together. And, and we, we praise God together. So that whether it is additive or whether it is subtracting, we're together in those moments. Walking together as a church family because we are better when we're together. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you and we're grateful for this opportunity to worship, to come before your throne and sing praises and, and proclaim the name of Christ as our Lord to hold up Scripture as authoritative, that it stands as undeniable truth. And Lord, we cling to it as the Word of God. And in this moment, Lord, we pray that you would subtract the things from our lives that need to be taken away. And Lord, we pray that you would add on everything that needs to come. And we pray that it would come quickly, Father. It's in the name of our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.